Hey guys, welcome to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Allen. Yes! You know, this podcast is dedicated to bringing honest, authentic conversations so that you can have a healthy, happy, healthy, juicy love life. Here's Crazy Juicy Love. So hello, folks. Welcome back to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast, part two with therapist KC. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. How about you? I'm, I'm good. It's been mm-hmm. a long day, <laughs> like some reason back-to-back stuff. But yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation on part two about uh, men and <laughs> things, men and things, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. How's your day? How are you doing? Doing well. I, for some reason, didn't sleep very much last night. Not because of this, just, you know, sometimes it happens. So only slept yeah. a few hours, you know, a few hours. Woke up, had to take care of some things, run some errands for my grandmother and uh, do some things for myself, run some errands for myself and got all set up here and, uh, you know, got to do a little bit of reading on some of the things that we're going to be talking about today which I'm very excited about to, you know, uh, I'm very excited to get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, so overall, it's it's going well. Yeah, man. I'm excited to talk about some things too. I, we both, our first podcast, he sent me a list of things <laughs> to talk about. And so then in return, I sent him a list of things to talk about. Yeah, right. and apparently some of the things he's unfamiliar with and um, which is all good, you know. Um, you know, so I guess we just get right into it and, um, you know, I'm really happy that to have another guy uh, to talk about these things with. <laughs> and Me too. Shit. You know, because uh, guys don't talk about stuff like this very often. Mm. And, you know, um, a little background, I think probably why I picked these particular topics in them. Um, so I, I, I think I told you, I'm not, I think, yeah, I did tell you that I was in B school. And uh, with the rear folio. And there was a part of um, the course talks about you doing research. One, doing research on an ideal client. So that's where a lot of these topics come from. And like these whole bunch of series of questions that really spark things of what your, your client's pain problems or what you see uh, as a coach. But you notice like you want to speak to that and but mm-hmm. also a part of their research you have to look up who's in your field and who is killing it and so i you know i couldn't think of like different african-american men except like one or two that were that came to my mind and so i kind of put it out there just like four thousand people in this program and we have an online you know program and so one of the, the women recommended this guy named jason rosario and i had never heard of him Mm-hmm. And so he has a show called, uh, well, he has two shows. One, he somehow partnered with Yahoo and they came up with a series called Dear Men. And it's these different um, episodes with different celebrity men. And they talk about what they struggle with as men and, and receiving and vulnerability. And all these things came up a lot. Uh, and so he wants to help change the conversation with men so that men can allow themselves to step into that 
sort of conversation to shift the way uh, the conversation what what men are having and change that whole context, that old context of what men used to be and what is needed right now. Um, because of what, because of what's been happening in the world with men, and so mm-hmm. um, and come to find out, he also Gillette he partnered with Gillette to create all these new commercials. So, like I'm not sure if you remember last year. Uh, Gillette put out two commercials that was kind of was controversial. I do remember that. And one of them was um, the, a dad teaching his trans son how to shave. And the second one was these men at a barbecue. And uh, I think one of the guys was like, how are you doing today? And then the guy started to open up and reveal all these things while at the barbecue. So they got very vulnerable mm-hmm. at the barbecue. And both those those are the two videos that upset people. And I was like, wow, like, you know, people are really get are upset about these things. And there's something, it's something to be talked about. And also on his podcast, uh, I think it's called Dear Men. Uh, he also brings a lot of men on and talk about a lot of celebrities on and they really discuss similar topics like this. Yeah. In a, in a general sense, what was it that, people were upset about what was the general consensus of, of the of the two i'm trying to recall and i can't well one of, well especially the men at the barbecue you know there is the saying that's not real men men you know don't talk about this that's just a sign of that's a sign of weakness what they're talking about and then definitely with the trans man like what are you doing you know a lot of like uh things like what are you doing to our children you know why are you letting them you know decide that like this is not you know humane humanity and it was just a whole bunch of other things but it was like one of their most Mm. talked about two of their most talked about videos that sparked um, a conversation and i actually um i think i mean i'm pulling up right now uh last year um you know the topic of you know toxic masculinity was like kept coming up and over and over and over again as a huge time um, article was like well this is not a really new topic it's just like what's happening in the world bringing it's bringing that topic up in front um, right. to the forefront okay I'm glad you mentioned that um, toxic masculinity because I was thinking of and I know that's one of the topics that are you know past the um, one of the later topics perhaps but I'm glad you brought it up because that was something that my mind was thinking about as well. It's like, how do you define toxic masculinity? And sometimes maybe it's not so easy to define, but examples uh, are sometimes a better way to uh, illuminate what, what is toxic about some of these you know, ways of being. And I would say that would be a good way to um, characterize what toxic masculinity is, like non-acceptance. You know, like, mm, yeah, uh, an unwillingness to be vulnerable with each other, like that's toxic, and it's toxic because it because it hurts us more than it helps us. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I'm good. I'm glad we're gonna get more into that too because I think <laughs> um, there's also some misdefinitions or poor definitions of what toxic masculinity is. Yeah. And how it gets used um, as a way to sort of uh, disempower men. Yeah. So that's important to talk about for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, so I guess uh, start off with the first one. We're, you know, so uh, one of the things I brought up was um, this topic of the art of receiving. Like a lot of men have a hard time 
receiving. And now this came up. Now, okay, I'll start with this. I'm going to read a quote mm-hmm. from the woman who created my program. And uh, she says, sometimes someone who does not know how to receive love will, of course, feel unloved. When we grow, then we grow bitter and cynical, making us less and less attractive, keeping love at a distance and blistering our belief that a loving universe isn't really that loving in our case. And mm-hmm. that's by Marianne Williamson, uh, which was quoted in the book. And so, you know, that came to me because as I was doing my client research and I was like interviewing like men, who I know will try to fit into my ideal client as with friends and clients. And a lot of them, particularly one, how could I put this? Uh, you know, but it was a, it was a pattern that I saw and, you know, they were describing like a lot of them describing their girlfriends and their wives. And they like, I wish that you could help me or help have something that tell me how to, you know, community, like, define what is she talking about like how can i understand her and i was just like well she really wants you to listen and then he, they were like well I, I i understand it but i just don't want to get into the, all that i just want to just know how to like nip in the bud right quick and you know and i'm just like well, that's you're not really that's receiving the right and it, that's the problem and so right. and i i just i just listened as i it wasn't my job to like Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. debate their choices of how they chose to listen, you know, just like something that I was hearing over and over again. I was like, oh, wow, that's really, probably really frustrating. Like you're uh, as a somebody dating you and you're not on the receiving end and they're trying to, you know, one, articulate how they feel, two, you know, trying to get a message across and you're not receiving what they're saying. So, um, and I saw that that was a, an issue. And, you know, and I remember my first moment with that, uh, before I started doing personal development work, I was, uh, when I was an actor, I was um, Mm -hmm. at this, I used to take class at Primary Stages, which is like this off-Broadway theater and uh, sort of on Broadway-ish. And I do a lot of like uh, uh, big theater here and they had a a school Mm -hmm. and they used to have these workshops and had this workshop with Judith Light. Have you heard of Judith Light? No, no, she's like, like, yeah, she's this famous um, soap opera actor, and she was on Growing. She was like the mother of Growing Pains, um, the show Growing Pains, an old show. Um, okay. Anyway, and so she, so she's a, this working older actress, and um, and so I, I can't remember an exact conversation, but I remember asking her a question, and. She gave me a really good answer, and I usually respond to like compliments and things like, oh, okay. You know, kind mm-hmm, of like mm-hmm. not really acknowledging. And then my friend, my friend called me out. She was like, you know, you just got a compliment, right? Like, can you just take <laughs> that in? And and I noticed it, but then throughout the years, I noticed it a lot where I would deflect any kind mm-hmm. of thing coming in, and even in my first relationship, like you know, he gave a lot to me and like a lot, like just all these things. And I just, you know, felt like I needed to do more in order to prove myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it still wasn't enough that I wasn't really allowing myself to receive like, oh, I'm living in this apartment for cheap. I don't yeah. really have to do these things. And I, 
always felt like I had to keep proving, kept proving myself instead of allowing this person or acknowledging this person is contributing to me. And I and I had a really hard time to allow anybody to contribute to me. So that's the reason why I put this on there. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic, uh, a, f- a fantastic topic. I look at myself and I have the same uh, dysfunction, I guess, if we want to call it that. And this was something that was actually pointed out to me 11 years ago. It's like oh. one of the, when I first got heavy into therapy and personal development, this is like, you know, within the first four weeks of me being in this program, I was in an outward bound type situation. Uh, this is one of the things that my therapist pointed out to me. You don't, she, I can't remember what she said exactly, but it was basically, you don't know how to receive compliments. Ooh. And I was like, that is, I never, it was like mind blowing to me. I was like, oh my God, you're so right. Every time I thought, every time someone gave me a compliment, I would always have to deflect it or I would um, uh, extinguish it or try to take it down a notch by throwing something in, you know, maybe like balancing it out with something that's not so great about me. Right. <laughs> or like making an excuse for why it happened. I mean, even today I did it. You know, my uh, my grandmother is um, at home right now. She's old, she's 88. And amidst the quarantine, I've been shopping for her. You know, and so here she is. She's thanking me and telling me what a you know quote unquote great person I am. Mm-hmm. And here I am minimizing it, mm-hmm. saying it's not that big of a deal. I don't really have anything going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not working mm-hmm. that much right now. Yeah, I'm not, you know, it's not that great. I was going for myself anyway. Yeah. instead of just letting that sit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, okay. taking that in. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I, it's 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 you know, and I I was leading a workshop one day at um, at this personal development place, and um, when it came time to register for the event uh, for the course, there was a guy and his uh, sister in the room, and he wanted to do the course, but he didn't have the money, and so his sister said, "Well, I'll pay for it," and he was like, "No." And so, and I knew it and I was like, I just recognized it because I was like, I had been in that position before with other men that the men, mm-hmm. if a man can't afford something and a woman stepped in, there was an, a complete shutdown. No, I'll figure this out. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, well, this is your opportunity right now. Like I have a credit. I can give you the credit. It goes, it's take care of half of the, half of your payment. Uh-huh. I can put another uh, you know, $200 down, then all you have to do is pay $200. Can you afford that? He was like, yeah. He said, but I don't want you to do that. We had it all figured out. Wow. And then yeah. I said to him, I said, listen, if you allow your masculinity to get in the way because this woman wants to contribute to you, this is going to stop you and probably has been stopping you in your life. Mm. And he literally stopped, like he started like shaking and and I knew I hit it and not like I was trying <laughs> to hit it, but I felt like I needed to say the thing that I knew that was there. And I felt like if I didn't say it, it would be go, it, it, it would go unsaid. And sometimes you yeah. have to bring that thing to light. I'm sure you know as a therapist, mm-hmm, like sometimes mm-hmm. even in my training, our coach is like, you gotta say the thing that's there or you're not doing them any service. That's yes. what they're paying you for. Mm-hmm. And um, and then he looked at his sister. He's like, I need to talk to you outside. And like, 
They argued. He didn't let her pay for it. And he just felt like embarrassed because he, as a man, couldn't pay for it. And I see that stop a lot of men. And I mm. know that, like, again, my first relationship, like, it really hindered me. It Like, I just felt sort of embarrassed, you know, because I was in this relationship during the financial crisis and I wasn't making a lot of money. And, you know, I felt embarrassed to say I wasn't working enough. I wasn't making that much money. And my 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 partner was like, well, I got it. You know what I mean? Don't worry about it. But I was worried about it. And I was making myself wrong. And I was you know, <laughs> not in the receiving mode. I just kept saying, well, I yeah. need to do something yeah. to fix this so I won't look a certain way. I was trying to look good or try to look good for myself, really. Yes. You know, yes. in that relationship. Yeah, I think embedded in this idea you know in this idea of i give you something is this idea that i need to provide something back to you yeah so and that comes up a lot for me as well it's like you know i was just telling you before the podcast all this equipment that i have this amazing microphone everything was given to me for free by my best friend i know it's good equipment <laughs> this, these headphones same thing given to me for well, free he gave you by all my that best friend. Yeah. yeah wow <laughs> um he you know got a really really great job and it really um and and he and he just he really I don't know it's just his way of showing I guess his his love for me yeah um, one of his ways of showing his love for me and I had such a hard time receiving it because I knew that I wasn't going to be able to pay him back because I because mm-hmm. I just didn't have the money that's at least how I was looking at it I was like oh you're giving me something I got to pay you back for it. Yeah. the cell phone was given to me by another wow. friend of mine <laughs> same thing wow. and I'm thinking to myself I got to pay you back I got to find a way to pay you back. And I'm making myself wrong on it. Um, But in each case, both my friends didn't want anything. They had no expectation for having anything, you know, for getting anything in return. Right. And that's just how I view, that's how I view this idea of, of giving is that it's a quid pro quo in a sense, like you give something to me and I give something back, but that's not what it is. That's not Mm -hmm. what it is. And so for me, that's why I was unable to receive for so much of my life is because I always felt like they were expecting something in return. And so I couldn't allow myself just to receive in that space, I'd always be thinking, oh, they're expecting something in return. I got to do something in return for them. But that's not the case. Yeah. You know, make it the case, but no, it's not the case. Where do you think that belief comes from? Where does it stem from? You know, I think for a lot of us, it could be different sources. Um, I would say some of it cultural, cultural, some of it environment. I know even that comes up today in my own family uh, with, with like my parents, if they you know, do things for us, maybe not financially, but, you know, provide things for us. They sort of accept, expect something in return. And that comes up, you know, with my dad, he gets really upset <laughs> if um, he senses that we are not acting out our appreciation for everything that he does or and has done for us. And granted, that's something that he needs to work on. And I'm not here to talk about, you know, the problems that my, my dad needs to work on. But, <laughs> but, you know, the source of that, and you can imagine, right, that's how I am. I'm 30 years old. You can imagine that's probably how it was as well when I was, you know, four, five, six, seven. So that idea of equality, like you give something to me, I give you something back and we're equal is uh, heavily ingrained, at least in my family culture. Okay. <laughs> um, and so I would say that's probably a major source of, of, of where that comes from. Can you think of any others? Yeah, I, 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 a major one. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of it comes from like uh, religion. 
um, mm. especially you know for me growing up hearing it over and over again it's better to, to give than receive right and so that belief stops you know uh, I think Marianne Williamson says that the, that kind of belief stops receiving like when you're in that sort of like it's better to give or receive like if you're religious, you can't even receive the blessings that God has for you right in front of you because you're into, you're rejecting. And I've seen this before as a grad girl, <laughs> as I think about it, you know, it, even like my mother and some older people, when you try to give, like, oh, no, 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 thanks. You know, they'll do this kind of, you know, pushing mm-hmm. that away. Mm-hmm. And I I didn't remember catching myself doing that uh, a couple of years ago. And I was just like, and, and because of the work I've been doing, I had to learn how to receive it, you know, and like, yeah. and I'll give you an example recently, you know, and, uh, you know, so this whole coronavirus, you know, thing is happening. And, you know, I, I posted something on Facebook that I don't, like somebody yelled at me because I didn't have a mask in a grocery store because I didn't, because mm. I was so busy. I actually saw that post. Yeah, you did. Yeah. And so, you know, one of my friends reached out to me. He said, hey, I have a mask and some things I can give you because we live in the same neighborhood. So I was okay, you know, whatever. Um, you know, he's an older man and... Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I really didn't think any of. I was like, "Yo, it was it was a qu- it was a quick solution to what the problem I was I had at the time at that mm-hmm. moment." And it was happening two hours later that I was receiving all this stuff. I wasn't even thinking about receiving, but that's what was happening. So mm-hmm. we met near the hospital, Elmhurst Hospital in um, Queens, and and you know he he's like very strict about like keeping a distance, and he's like in his sixties and mm-hmm. this stuff. So we we're on the bench, and he's like, "Sit right there." And I'll throw this, throw the package to you. <laughs> and so he threw the package to me. And when I caught it, I, in, a, in that moment, for some reason, I, at the moment I didn't think about receiving, but I was like, I'm allowing this person to contribute to me because my first thought was when I, I need to take care of this. Yes. And then it didn't really hit me until he gave it to me without anything asking for anything and i think it's what he said to me that really broke like i started crying and he said you know this package this gift i'm happy to give it to you but it does no justice to how much you can contribute to me and Hmm. i i lost it you know and i was just like i took it in and normally i usually be like no 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 i you i was like and i just had to learn how to like keep my mouth closed and just receive what he was saying to me that I was making a contribution to his life. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I was like, well, it was a moment for me, like in this whole, like, I don't want to live my life with a mask on. Mm -hmm. And knowing that what the work that I'm doing and putting out there is making a contribution to someone that I didn't know I was making a contribution to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. Maybe I, um, Missed it. Was there something specifically that he was referring to that, like your contribution to him? Was there anything in specifics? Or? Um, um, he, there's something that I wrote about um, on, on a post, and he called me. He was because he was well, at the time. Okay, so he at the time he, so he recently lost his best friend to the coronavirus. Mm. And so. Dang. He was having a lot of fear, a lot of things, and something that I, that I wrote um, that inspired him because he was not taking the necessary actions before his friend died mm. to make sure everything that was taken care of. 
And so when I wrote this specific post, then he started, he's like, your post really helped me. Now I'm able to start taking action. Now I'm starting mm. to do this. Now I'm connected with my family. Now I'm getting into, you know, back into uh, like doing what he needs to do to create a routine. He started getting back on his feet in order to not feel being in anxiety all the time. And so, uh, and over the years too, like I've been pushing him um, over the years. Uh, and I remember, because sometimes for me, when, so I, sometimes I do this side gig and, you know, and around a lot of men and a lot of men don't, uh, well, obviously not a lot of men, but these, some of these particular guys don't, I've found that they don't tell you the truth. They just tell you what you want to hear. And I know my friend is a very talented uh, actor. And, you know, I, I I said to him, he came to, to my, I had a, a art showing at a, this gallery I was chosen for, for some old photography pictures that I took. And so as we were leaving and I said to him, and I said, you know, when are you going to get your reel or something done? He said, what I'm going to do? I said, no. I said, when are you going to get it done? Like, <laughs> like life is now. Like, and I said, one thing, you need to stop hanging around people who are just talking. Start hanging around people who are doing. And I said, you are too talented to let your voice go unheard. And then he stopped mm. in the middle of the street. And he was like, you're right. So ever since then, he's been like in his action. He produced his own show. Wow. He did all these okay. other things. So I, yeah. I stop and tell him the truth and not make him wrong with his choices. But I, for me, I felt like I need to remind him of how great he is. And sometimes, and that's also, I think I wrote it in some of the things that sometimes for me, I've learned to uh, separate myself from people and other guys who don't see my greatness and I, need, I cultivate, I started to cultivate the type of men that I want to be like, who I, who I see that are doing and who see are making moves. And that really helped me shift me and allow me to start uh, being in this place of like receiving and allowing and, you know, taking a stand for myself and watching myself grow. And, you know, it, that, that for me, that's important to me to have that sort of circle around me. Yeah. Wow. It's a really big deal. Uh, that's really cool. It's powerful. Um, it sounds like, uh, in that moment when he gave you, uh, that mask, um, you had, um, you're able to see the impact that you could have on other people perhaps. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it sounds like it was pretty emotional for you. <laughs> it was. Yeah. It was. That's know. great. Yeah. Amen. I'm glad. I'm really glad you had that experience. It's really nice when we get that feedback from people, because sometimes I'm not right. I'm not looking or thinking about validation or any of that as I'm, you know, taking these actions. Um, and then someone sort of just hits me with it, and it's and it stops me in my tracks, and I'm right. like, "Wow, you're right." Because you know? if you're, the thing is about not being in a receiving mode, you will miss those moments. You would miss right. The, yes, yes. You would miss. That's the point. Yeah, you would miss those moments, especially mm-hmm. with your children, with your wife. You would miss those moments. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 
Really impactful. <laughs> That's it right there. Yeah. You said it. Yeah. Without being in a, in a place of receiving, you would, you would miss that exact moment that those moments being touched in yeah. that way. Yeah. And, Cause I, I've missed so many of those moments and I was just like, okay, something has to shift. Cause I mm-hmm. started to see it now. I started to see it and then I had to start to allow it. Yeah. I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about the last couple times I had these unexpected moments of deep gratitude, I guess. <laughs> and I was emotional. One was when I um, took, a, I, I'm in recovery, so I took an anniversary for 10 years. And my uh, my older brother, who is doesn't have as much time sober as me but he presented that to me he presented the coin it's like the literal you know i'm receiving the coin from him right he's my older brother it's almost like i'm receiving um his approval and validation not that i necessarily need it but pretty much i've lived a lot of my life to get you know it's like the archetype the younger brother wants the approval of the older brother (laughs) and um in a much healthier way though. I, I was in a place where I could receive that and I was really touched, you know, and you're right. If I hadn't been in a place of receiving, I would have missed it. Yeah. And I tell you what, in the last, uh, yeah, it's in the last, you know, 10 years, it was one of the most impactful and monumental moments of my life. Hmm. So big deal. Yeah. <laughs> As you were talking, you know, it brought me to, <clears throat> One of the last chapters in the book of The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer, and the chapter is called Death. And I know that book. Yeah, and good. Oh, another topic. <laughs> um, I that book woke me up to a lot of things. So especially the the chapter Death, and he says, and there's been a not just him, but a lot of research um, around this. Like in our last moments, in those you know hospice rooms, in those hospital beds. And majority of the people say, I wish I would have spent more time. I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. And they miss moments. And now it's too late. You mm. know? And then he said, and I remember I was, remember I was listening to the audio and he described death coming into your, you know, ready to come get you and say, let's go. And you're like, I want another five years. I want another 10 years. And then death says, well, I gave you 35. I gave you 45. What did you do <laughs> And I was, I remember stopping Boom. in the middle of a street and sitting down. I was like, oof. That Ooh, is, that's heavy. <laughs> that was like, it like, it hit me. I had to like oh, stop man. and like take that in. I love that. I love when um, we have a moment where we can take that perspective, when, when we get that like bird's eye view of our life, you know, and like the, and we can kind of see it all laid out in the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in terms of existence, life and death and what we've made of this time that we have, I love those moments. It's so humbling. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And, it's a, and I would say it's yeah. a practice, you know? Uh, so what do you think like men could do to order to be in more of that receiving mm. space? Yeah. Th- the first thing that comes to mind is vulnerability. Yeah. I think vulnerability comes to mind where we have so many defenses up and from reading, um, this is something that we're trained with, uh, you know, when becoming a therapist, of course, but also from reading the book that you suggested, um, No More Mr. Nice Guy, he's talking about these uh, events that happen in childhood that are 
maybe seem insignificant, but sort of form who we are to be for the yeah. rest of our lives. So at one point, you know, in the past, we might have put ourselves out there, you know, in a, in a way, our emotion out there might have been self-expressed in the world and we got shut down for it. We got rejected yeah. for it. And so because of that, we kind of sunk into ourselves more. And yeah. um, because, you know, to us, we interpret that as, okay, the world's not going to accept me the way that I am. So I need to put on this, you know, mask. I have to put on a, you know, different character uh, or I have to play a different character, a different role. Right. And um, while I'm playing that different role, I am not in a place where I can be receiving because I'm not my most authentic self. I'm, you know, being somebody else. <laughs> right. Being what I think you th or think or you think that the world needs me to be. Yeah. Or I need to be. Definitely. Yeah, I've <laughs> struggled with that too. Uh, yeah. So you know. I would say there's two things. I would say the first thing is addressing the problem at the problem, which is, mm -hmm. you know, just start being more open to receiving. Yeah. You know? What does that look like for you? Imagine what that looks like to be more open to receiving. How about when someone compliments you, gives you something, instead of thinking about how you're going to respond to it, you know, in these um, predetermined responses that we have that we probably use all the time, like the ones I use this morning, I use those all the time. <laughs> like, you know, just reactionary instead of it's you know saying something like that sit there see how it feels yeah i was gonna say like that's how it started for me i stopped saying those automatic phrases yeah. and I did, like i had to like sometimes bite my tongue and be like thank you mm -hmm. that's all i would say and i had to deal with myself because sometimes i was like oh what's that I'm, you know judging the thank you um and and eventually like I could receive it. But at the beginning it was like learning not to like always spit out those automatic things. Um, yes. Right away. And, and for me, I think another one of the things that's helped me is like the, one of the biggest changes I had to make was I had to look at who are my friends mm. and are they what I strive to be in relationships? And I remember saying that like, what I remember saying this question, because uh, I had two groups of friends, male friends, and I was like, what value do they I, they bring to me and I bring to them? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. nothing came out. I was just like, hmm. <laughs> And then I looked at this other set of guys and I was like, well, and I could like spit it off, like on my hand, particularly one guy who became one of my best friends. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to spend less time with these group of guys who don't bring value mm -hmm. to the group because I feel like I'm contributing so much and not receiving anything, whereas I tribute over here and I receive back it's like a give and take so I wanted that I love that give and take <clears throat> and especially one of my best friends like he was so emotionally available so connected know how to articulate I was just like he was in, in super successful and I was just like I want to know what makes him like that because he has his dream job he has his dream house he's making more money than he's ever could make before like and he knows how to articulate himself without any shame he's done all this work and all like i was just like what does it take to be that kind of man and i and i know he's done some work he would tell you um and 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 being the type of man he is he can reflect back to you some things that you're doing without putting you in some kind of shame mm -hmm. or uh making you feel less than I know that he's looking out for my best interest. I know he sees my greatness and we see each other greatness. And I wanted that 
to be around that all the time because I wasn't getting it. And this might go yeah. over here, but I was getting it from there. I was like, I want that. I want somebody to always, even my friends and partner, to always see my greatness because that feels good. Yeah. The idea of the contemporary renaissance man comes to mind like we think of the renaissance man as being someone who's really good at a lot of different things yeah and i think of like the more contemporary contemporary renaissance man as being someone who um is very successful materially because Mm -hmm. you know they know just they're savvy but at the same time they're very emotionally connected they know how to articulate they know how to communicate with people yeah um that is something i think is incredibly admirable yeah as opposed to being limited to maybe one or the other yeah Uh, being more well-rounded and more integrated in that sense i think for myself is uh, a goal that i have so yeah it's pretty cool yeah man hey guys thank you so much for listening to the crazy juicy love podcast if you like this podcast please don't forget to subscribe rate and leave a comment and if you really like this podcast please share it twitter instagram or on your webpage. thank you crazy juicy love